Otherwise on SAFM. Welcome to Otherwise on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My name is Shadow Twala. My producer is Hazel Makuzeni. And our technical producer today is Nola Bofani. Our lines are open on 0892-102010 should you wish to comment on the show or email us on otherwise at safm.co.za. Today we focus on the business of women and women in business. And my first, my guest actually today is Bulelwa Makalimangewana, who's the CEO of the Cape Town Partnership. And she'll talk to us about their strategies to regenerate the inner city of Cape Town. And of course, a new magazine, a free magazine to the public that they are launching. Bulelwa, welcome, and thanks for your time, and thanks for joining me in the studio. Oh, it's fantastic to be here. <laughs> thanks for the opportunity. And you brought the warmth, because it's been cold, right? Well, no. It's been cold. feel very welcome indeed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, congratulations, you're a few months into the position of CEO, uh, took over from Andrew Borain, who had done a sterling job, which wasn't that a challenge, of filling those shoes? Well, yes or no. I mean, yes, in the sense that, of course, that profile that we've built um, with Andrew uh, for about, Andrew was with the company for about 10 years, mm-hmm. is a very strong profile. Mm-hmm. It's where a small organization starts building a, a very big voice for itself and being able to influence um, in many respects, even globally mm-hmm. speaking. But on the other hand, I've been with the company for exactly nine, eight, well, nine years now. Andrew is 10. I came in just a year after Andrew. Mm-hmm. And I've been working with the company since then. So it feels like wearing an, an old pair of slippers. Mm-hmm. Very comfortable. comfortable. Yes. <laughs> so it was a smooth transition. It was a very smooth transition. And they actually thank for the leadership of Andrew Borain also because he himself worked to make the transition as smooth as possible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it was a sense of gradual in in some respects. So I came in um, at a certain level in the company. I've grew up with the company and he's moved on slightly. Uh, he moved on slightly about uh, 24 months ago and then literally then dropped uh, the, the reins when I became MD and focused, he focused on heading up the, the Economic Development Partnership. Mm-hmm. And then this year we both decided that he can move on completely and I can then stay on. So there's a very strong base to build from, but at the same time there's new and a very innovative um, uh, I would say a, a vision that is new and innovative that we can actually build into. Before we even talk about Cape Town Partnership and what it does, there seems to be a challenge in, in, in getting women into positions like yours in the country. I know studies have been done, um, I think the number sits at about 24% and it stayed there, 28% I think, and it stayed there for the past four years. Um, what can you share with other competent women who are doing amazing jobs uh, about getting to the top job. There's always a sense that in order to climb that ladder, you have to be less feminine and more manly. Mm -hmm. I disagree with that. I think you can have heart and you can have the the brains and be able to balance those. The other thing is the emotional um, side of things because really as women we are so... um, we wear so many roles, you know, I'm a mother, I'm a sister, I'm a child, I'm also a wife, and I'm also a colleague and a friend. And all these roles tend to pull us apart in many respects. Mm-hmm. And so you find that the compromise in terms of saying which role for you is the most important always tends to be 
at the detriment of the other roles. Mm-hmm. So what I did for myself, because I was struggling with that for a whole long time, is that I picked, I picked the three main roles in my life, and I picked the one role that makes all the other two work. So primarily, I'm a mother and a wife, mm-hmm. but I'm a working mother and a working wife. <laughs> and so you try juggle if you are, and it's never going to be a perfect balance. So one month you'll find, oh my gosh, I mean, I haven't really spent enough time with the family. The next month you then tend to try and address that. If I've been traveling internationally for a while, like what's coming up now, when I come back home, I know that the weekends I must be at home to balance that. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like a conscious decision. But also, you know, women tend to be also, there's a sense of competitiveness within women that makes it different for women to climb up as a whole. Because once you're there, it's a very hard-won position. When you look around you, you tend to look around and say, what other women are in this position? And you find it difficult. Hold that thought. We're taking a little break. Coming back to talk to... We'll talk about her... And then we'll get to talk about um, Cape Town partnership and their plans. And there's lots of exciting stuff happening after this. Join me, Hilton Tarrant, every weeknight at 6 for the SAFM Market Update with MoneyWeb. With breaking business news, expert analysis, investment insights and the story behind the story, we're helping you make sense of the markets and your money. That's the Market Update, weeknights right here on SAFM at 6. The Oliver and Adelaide Chambo Foundation, in partnership with SAFM, invites you to join the third annual Oliver and Adelaide Chambo Liberation Walk on the 5th of October 2013. This year's theme is 10,000 Feet United for Education. Enter the 5, 10 or 21 kilometer walk as we honor these struggle heroes. Entertainment for kids and family will be provided too. For more information, visit tambolibrationwalk.co.za. Join us as we walk to educate. Otherwise, on SAFM. My guest CEO of Cape Town Partnership, Bulelo Makali Mangewana. Now, now, here's the thing. That's, that's a mouthful already. <laughs> Is that a challenge for your colleagues? Especially because they can't just call you by the first name. And they can't call you my CEO. Yeah. So, <laughs> what do you end up being called? <laughs> It's a, it's, it's a hilarious thing. I mean, um, right now I'm quite happy to to, to settle for me. One of it is my husband's surname. Mm. But when I, I was a young professor, I got married very early. I mean, mm. I was 26 when I got married. And it felt as if I had been starting and starting, got my master's, got married, had a child, and I thought, well, I can't lose my, my surname now. So for a while, when I was still a young professional, that double barrel balance mm. was very important for me. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm older and much more mature, and, and my, our relationship has endured for like 25 odd years, I feel quite comfortable having one or the other. Okay. And he, he feels the same. Okay, so yes. you can be called Bulela Makalima or, or Ngewana. Yes. He's, he's a nice guy to feel this. Of course, a lot of guys would say, hey, you're my wife, <laughs> no, you're my property, so you're going to use my surname. No, he's fantastic in that way. But you started talking about women and, and um, how we never support each other. And it comes from the bottom and the top. Because when other women get to the top, they don't pull others up with them. Um, and make sure that they're the only ones at the top. How do we, how do we uh, kind of deal with that situation to level it out? Well, the, well, for me personally, I think that what also makes it difficult if you don't do that is that you never get a chance to get to sound off ideas mm-hmm. and share 
um, you know, experiences with other women. So in this city, um, uh, in Cape Town, there are a couple of CEOs who are women who we make a point at least once or twice a month. We have what we call a soup and wine conversation. Mm-hmm. At that platform, you actually have a chance to think strategically about your own role as a woman and be able to learn from the other women around the table. Um, that's the one thing. The second thing is you have you to call it soup and wine, huh? Yeah, soup and wine. <laughs> <laughs> sipping wine or soup and wine? Soup <laughs> while sipping wine. <laughs> that's what it is. Okay. The other thing is to watch out for young talent. Mm. I mean, there's fantastic, exciting women coming up. Um, I mean, I mean, I look at my colleagues at work, young colleagues who are really, really, really um, uh, professionally and, 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 and um, in terms of uh, background and also in terms of uh, vision, very clear about where they want to go. All they need is that nurturing organization. So institutionally, I try to create a nurturing organization mm. where there is not a sense of hierarchy, but a sense of collaboration. So we try and leave collaboration internally as we actually do collaboration externally in terms of our projects. And that helps a lot. Okay. And, and that sounds like networking and knowing who to network yes. with. Okay. Now, the reason why you're here, Cape Town Partnership. Um, a lot of people don't know what its role is and mm-hmm. who it belongs to um, and, and, and really what it is. What is Cape Town Partnership? Well, the best way to describe it is when, in 1999, if you can just throw your mind back to that time, when CBDs all over the country actually were struggling because we had just gotten democracy and uh, municipalities has just become amalgamated and they had a burden in front of them that says there are areas in this uh, in these metropolis that really needs to be looked after and so areas that were previously advantaged that you like were just uh, um, eroding um, in the sense that there wasn't enough sufficient resources to pay that, that kind of attention as they were used to before mm-hmm. So in Cape Town it was the same. I mean, there was crime, there was crime. Um, when we started, we were close to about 800-odd street kids in town, loads of homelessness, a lot of dumping. In this, there's no, there was no parking system. Long Street used to be triple parked during mm. the day. Mm. So there was just this sense of things not happening. I mean, I remember, for example, the old Mutual Building, which is now Mutual Heights, was blasphemed, and World Mutual moved their headquarters to, to, to Pinelands, and they were not the only one. Um, um, I remember Andrew used to tell an analogy said uh, during lunch time when he was he was still city manager at the time, three of his employees went out to get lunch and they were marked at knife, knife point at different parts of the city during lunch time. During lunch time. During lunch time. Wow. <laughs> they came back without a watch, without the chain, without that. And so clearly something needed to happen. In Cape Town, what really bores us was the fact that the property investors in town themselves, whose properties were really losing value, had a conversation with the city. Now, you must understand between the private sector and the public sector, there's always this um, enhancing relationship, but it's also a very conflictual relationship. Because the property owners were saying, actually, we are spending so much money in our own properties. The space in between the buildings does not belong to us. Mm -hmm. It belongs to the city, so you need to be able to provide sufficient resources. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, the the city is saying, hang on, there's many areas around Cape Town who do not have infrastructure. We need to pay attention there. 
And so the compromise was, okay, if you as property owners, you can then allow us to form an organization whose mandate will be to pay attention to the space in between the buildings, and we then are able to contribute to its sustainability as both public and private. That's what we needed to do, and that's how the model started. And that was the birth of Cape Town Partnership. That was the birth of Cape Town Partnership. But when we were started, of course, as, as I've said already, there was a lot of crime. So <coughs> one thing that we needed to do was to figure out how to provide... Can I get some water Thank you. <coughs> Thank you, sorry. To figure out how to provide a top-up service to prevent town from being privatized completely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so with the city of Cape Town, we, we assisted in getting a law promulgated, which was the central city improvement uh, bylaw, which allowed for districts or improvement districts to be established. As long as we can get the, the ratepayers in that area, a majority, 50 plus one, to be able to say, yes, they would want it established. So in our case, the property owners in town, they came together, <coughs> And they agree. So out of that came the Central City Improvement District. District, yeah. Yes. And to this day, we're still a managing agent of them. And now in Cape Town, we've got about 14 or 16 of them. Now, you, you say, and, and we've seen it <coughs> across the country, and the reason, one of the reasons you hear is I'm, I'm trying to f find out what, what you're doing can be done in other cities around the country. Um, and, and maybe the same model be used. Mm -hmm. And I'm not too sure how much you share if your organization exists beyond Cape Town mm -hmm. and how much you share as, 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 because as, uh, you're not actually run by the city, mm -hmm. but you, you get some sort of funding from the city. Yeah, we, we get grant funding from the city. We are not run by the city, but we are a creation of the city. So we are literally a partnership. In Jobek, I think they had the Jobek Development Agency. Um, you know what? I think we must take, take a break to get you, your breath back. Uh, we'll be back after this. Join me, Rowena Bird, as we broadcast live from the Women in Energy Forum on the 1st of October at the Gallagher Convention Center. The Women in Energy Forum is a platform for women involved in the energy space in South Africa to learn from international women leaders, connect with one another, share industry knowledge, and ultimately promote mentorship and career development opportunities. SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. Otherwise, on SAFM. Thanks to Rowena there, we could take, we could take a break. Uh, but you were, you were saying that the, the same model uh, does exist in different, or can be used in different uh, parts of the country. Yeah, it can. I mean, internationally, there's the International Downtown Association. I'm a member of their board. Okay. And in America and I think in Europe, they are called BIDS, which is a Business Improvement District. Okay. The difference between that system or model or, or, and the Cape Town model is that there is purely a private sector-driven model. Okay. So property owners for property interest, whereas in Cape Town, it was property owners for public interest okay. in a way. And I think uh, the, uh, the three centers in, in, in South Africa, Jobek, Durban, and Cape Town, had different models mm -hmm. of the same thing. I think in Durban, there was a unit within the municipality that was given that mandate. Uh, in Jobek, there's the JDA, mm -hmm. um, and it, they have that mandate. I mean, if you see what's happened around Newtown, yes. that comes out of that, yeah. Yes. So in Cape Town, though, we have to be very honest and say we are quite lucky in the sense that we have a, a very... 
almost um, uniquely located CBD, which makes it more of a human scale, squeezed between the mountain and the sea, mm-hmm. is accessed uh, on the sides. And so there's a sense of human scale when you look at our CBD. Compare our CBD to, Deb- to Jobic or to Devon for that matter. It's not sprawling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that allows it to be able, to be, for us to be easily able to manage it, I would say. So there is a, um, um, a, a, a national... Uh, you know, in, you know, development or design there that we, we're working with. So when we started, it was easy. I mean, the CBD of Cape Town, you can work, you can work it mm. uh, within mm. a day. Yeah, mm. and it's easy <coughs> to see when something is not working. It is. It you is. You know, like clearing. Okay, everyone wants to know what did you do with all those homeless people that used to be in the city? They still are there. Are uh, they? Yes, we have a very strong program, which is a social development program. Um, well, it might not be the same people, but, <laughs> but some of them are. Remember, um, in Cape Town, we have urban, the urban poor who see the streets as home. Mm. And I actually don't think that's going to change. So you need to be able to have a strategy of managing and working with them. Not necessarily to get them off the streets, but to get them into programs so that they can decide mm. that they can need to get off the streets. Mm. I actually don't think we'll ever have a, ch- a, a situation where we don't have homelessness because urban poverty is a phenomenon worldwide. Well, I think it's safer to be homeless in the city than to be homeless anywhere else. That's exactly it. I mean, if you remember when we had a lot of xenophobia in the country, when mm. we had those, you know, that explosion of xenophobic, um, um, all over the kinds of xenophobia, a lot of people moved from the uh, size into the city because it was safer. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing is the more successful you are in managing your downtown, the more attractive it is as a, as a center of opportunity to everyone, especially those that are begging on the streets. Mm-hmm. So once we don't have 800 kids living in the streets anymore. We do have issues around aggressive begging because that's the teenage group that's quite hardened that is on the street. But we also do have pro- uh, uh, problems with, uh, you know, prisoners being released, for example, from Porzno and given a ticket, and that ticket is a one-way ticket to the main station in town, and they get off and there's nowhere to go but to be in the street community. Mm-hmm. So how are, you, how are you dealing with all those challenges that you have? Uh, I see also uh, the, the, the people that come into the city and have got no jobs will line up at traffic lights, uh, yes. trying innocently to and, and genuinely to sell their, <coughs> their skills. You know, they've got little pieces of paper, I'm 24 years old and this mm. is where I come from and this is what I can do. Uh, and... and because of, of knowledge of living in, in other cities, I am always aware when I drive that mm. this, some, this person may break my window mm. and snatch my mm. bag. You know? mm. So how do you make sure that the streets are clear or people have space, for mm. instance, to, to, to deposit those little pieces of paper for us to collect? Okay. The one thing that we don't ever do is to criminalize poverty. Mm-hmm. So you have to separate from one who, someone who's acting illegally and someone who's genuinely poverty-stricken. So, for example, we started what we call a, a notice board for the homeless in the East City, where you come in and put up your paper that says, I'm so-and-so, I'm from so-and-so, I have this skill. And where is the notice board? It's in the East City. One of our program managers actually started it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't start with the notice board. It started with him understanding who's on the street. Okay. So he'd wake up in the morning. He still does, actually. Evan. It's such a wonderful crap. would wake up in the morning as uh, the street people are sitting around the fire at 6, 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, they're waking up. He will be there with them. He have a conversation. He understands what the needs are. And this notice board and many other programs, one of the things that he had started, because they understand what the need is. Mm. 
The other thing is that we tend in South Africa not to understand the homeless population. We assume that everybody has got the same ambition, which is move away from the state, get into... It's logical. Mm -hmm. No one wants to be living so in such a hard space. But when you actually get to understand the, the, the population, you will understand there are people in, on our street who have been there for 20 years. They don't require the program that start by assuming that they're at a level where they can make that decision. Mm -hmm. They require the programs that are saying... We need to help you get to a place where you can make that decision. So instead of, for example, a very good example is that they wake up in the morning, they go and get papsake, which is a cheap wine in Cape Town, which is so corrosive. It could very well start, and this is a scientifically proven thing. But instead of providing papsake, you're providing a genuine you know, glass of wine, which mm -hmm. is much more of better quality. So that you will not have to be wine at all. It has to be alcohol, because alcohol serves a profit. It makes them functional. You take the alcohol away, you have aggression. So in, in the States, for example, they have wet kitchens, where people come in and they get, and gradually over a period of time, they wean off. Instead of drinking like two bottles of wine per day, you wean them off gradually to one bottle, to half a bottle, to a glass. It's a long-term Are you process. being real? I am absolutely Across serious. the world? Well, in, 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 in the States, for example, I'm traveling to New York and San Francisco. In San Francisco, I'm, working, I'm, I'm, going, uh, I'm spending a day with Hope, which is an organization that does exactly that. It looks at what, don't assume what the needs are. Find out what the needs are and serve them, because there's no point in bungee jumping in a program that's not going to have any benefits for them. Mm -hmm. So you can't start by saying, I know that you're an, an alcoholic, you need to get cleaned up and get dry. People then get into this cycle of, as they start to get dry, then they find a job, and then they fall off because they will. And they step back. So it's a sense of a perpetuated, um, you know, depression of saying, I'm a failure, I'm a failure. Don't set up the bar high, lower the bar, and then gradually move on. Um, and of course, I mean, these things do not happen overnight. You so you, you have that program in place where you, are, um, where you are now observing and engaging the homeless people in the yes. streets. And then we work with the city improvement district, and they have in-house, uh, you know, field workers and social uh, social workers who work with the population that's ready to move on. One of the key things, and this is a proven fact, is that once you are able to be reactive and proactively so, get someone off the street, get to someone before they spend a day on the street, you are able to migrate them on. Mm -hmm. But once they get familiar with the street, to learn to live it, that fear of saying, I'm on the street, I don't have a home, by then, it's almost too late because they then almost get inducted into the community. Now, it's difficult to be that proactive. Um, and we just don't have resources in the country to be that proactive. So, yeah. What do we, as the public, what, what can we do, the inner city dwellers and, and the users? Because the, going back to your property owners, there the, the was a fear at some point that um, because of foreign investment and mm. foreigners uh, starting to own and improving buildings in the city, um, the, the areas around them are going to be no-go areas. Mm. Um, not for everyone anyway. So, you know, the, 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 the kind of hustle and bustle in the street was sort of curbed. You know, you couldn't have a party mm. until mm. 2 o'clock mm. in the morning, you know. Those kinds of things. Where do you draw the line? How, how do you get people back into the city to continue to do what they did or use 
the city as they used to because now there's an us and them. There's certain yeah. areas to go to, certain mm-hmm. areas you can't go to in, in, in Cape Town. Okay. That's a fantastic question. But let me just get back to the, the homelessness. Mm-hmm. What can you do as a citizen? Give responsibly. Do not, because we're feeling sorry for the auntie with a child on the street, open your window and give it 20 bucks. Rather give to an institution that will be able to provide a program for her and tell her where to go. So how do we know where those programs are? Well, we've are. started a program which says, it says exactly that, give responsibly. In fact, there's a group in the office who's actually looking at an app to make it easier for you mm-hmm. to give responsibly. You, you can then track. This is Joe. This is his needs. He's now at this place. I'm giving 50 rents to Joe. And Joe now has a pair of shoes. And Joe can go for an interview. You are able to track that information. Which are because we naturally as people we want to give. Mm-hmm. I, you know, in myself in winter when I see an old man shuffling on the street, I think, oh my gosh, what can I do? So that's the one thing. Yeah. Just, just hold, hold, hold that <laughs> thought again. It's time for our news headlines with Lulu Gabu. Otherwise, on SAFM. Bulela is the CEO of Cape Town Partnership, and we're trying to locate. Um, um, the, the, you know what 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 the the partnership is up to and what what they're doing. How can we be part of their programs and help to to get uh, the city where it, it it belongs? And who you know how we should interact with Cape Town Partnership because a lot of times people think ah it's a city and I'm I'm dealing with the city and I'm gonna you know mm. and and they don't understand that you do a different type of work altogether. <coughs> Before we went to the break, we're talking about this app that may help us. And I'm very excited about the fact that we will be able to tap into it and find information of of um, <coughs> how we can assist people in the streets who are begging. Mm. But more more than that, can, does it mean only in the CBD or can we use it all around uh, the, 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 the Western Cape? Um, right now it's being tested, um, and so it's quite a controlled app at the moment. And there is a company who has made provisions through their CSI so that their employees can be able to then give through this app, and mm-hmm. they can then see how it works. Because as you know with apps, what really helps, uh, well, which is critical, is the backbone of it. Mm-hmm. So we are testing it in situ. I think once it's available, we'll make it available very widely. It's being done by the Safety Lab, which is an in-house partner of ours. And um, it's, I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, what else can I say? To be able to give so easily uh, without even at home. And so we would be able to say to somebody, instead of giving them 20 rand and say to them, listen, be part of this organization. Yes. Go to this address and get yourself registered. Yes. You can do that right now because there is a Give Responsible program where you can actually say, I'm giving. Here is where you can go. Mm-hmm. Where through the city you can get that information. But the app means that you can be sitting at home and you get a notification because you've made sure that you want to know about, let's say, children on the street, how you can help and it will say, here is a child, this is their background, this is what they need right now, and you give, and then your friends, you share it on Facebook, your friends start giving as well, suddenly that child is, 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 is able to progress into a program. And Cape Town <coughs> Partnership would look after the process. Yeah, and Safety Lab. Safety Lab will look after the process with our enhanced partner, and that, then also you can then track back. This is the thing you can monitor. One thing about giving money out the window, you don't know where that money is going mm-hmm. to. Okay, whereas if you are known, because it goes to an institution which then monitors the progress and then can keep you, keep you update, updated. 
Okay, now Joe has been able to um, be, you know, entered into this program. That's what they need. They're now doing a life skills uh, contract uh, program with him. He is now in this progress. You can still keep giving to Joe, or we can decide to give to someone else. Mm. That's how it would work. Yeah. You've you've successfully kind of uh, looked after that space between the buildings. Yes. Um, and I asked earlier that certain spaces we find certain people cannot go to or cannot stay in for as long as uh, they'd like to, because obviously property owners have first say. Mm. Do mm. they have well, first say about the space in between the buildings? No, but the space in between the buildings belongs to you and me mm. and anyone else. The thing about it, I mean, it's, it's quite an interesting thing. It gets me very excited because when you're saving a downtown area, which is going to wreck and ruin because there are no systems that are able to cope with the needs of the area, which is where we were in 1999. And you clean it up and make it safe and all of that. You can end with a gentrified era with no soul. Mm -hmm. How do you then bring the soul back? That soul is people. That's what I'm talking about. So what you need to do then, I mean, we've, these are lessons we've learned over time. You know, you are in the space in between the buildings is where that soul then needs to be enhanced public spaces, poetry, activation of public spaces in many ways, the ability to be able to get on a train from Kailicha, come and get your government services, and then take your brown-baked sandwich, a sandwich into Green Market Square, enjoy music, and feel welcome, and then go home. And go oh, to company gardens exactly, and get and free Wi-Fi. There you go. And excellent. you just done that. <laughs> get free Wi-Fi. And, and, and also, you should be able to come into the city and see yourself. Mm. I mean, this is why public art is so important. Mm. We've just done murals in the East City. And that uh, and the city has uh, has now starting to look at a very very proactively at a policy that enables that to happen, because really what makes the city alienating for people is that it's all tall shiny glass type buildings. Clinical. Exactly, and you're not able to be able to see yourself in there and feel okay. I have a right to be able to see this painting on the wall. This painting is inspiring me to come back and mm -hmm. look at this space again and feel that there's another thing. We've just done as part of Creative Week an activation in East City where we just put a map of Africa, a map of South Africa and Cape Town. And so just trace your route where you come from. Whether you are from the street, you are homeless in the street or you are professional working, just go there, write on there to say, I come from the Eastern Cape, this is where my roots are, and tie it back to Cape Town. And you should see it. I mean, it's full of green lines, that map. And I'm not a refugee. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I come from Malawi, I live here. Exactly. Now, Cape Town is my city. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. yeah. um, so so we, we should see more, more interaction and more programs that bring people in, in, into the city, not only during the day, because the night is also, the, the city is buzzing only on one street mainly yes. now, which is Long Street, mm. but the, then you find pockets of other, you know, things yes. happening. How, how do we, and how do you, because I think yes. that's a challenge to mm. Cape Town Partnership, mm. how do you then bring back the soul in every bits and nooks and crannies of of, of yeah. Of the city. Oh, I'm salivating because I can almost <laughs> feel it and catch it in all those nooks and crannies. This we have to do authentically. And how do you do that authentically? Create uh, social bridges that allow Cape Townian to see each other and understand each other. Molo is one of those platforms. Good. So, because this community paper that we've now put out says we are just showcasing Cape Townians and what their love of Cape Town is from their perspective. 
I see you've used food as a theme. That's the first theme. The first theme has been food. I mean, the next one would be water. So we take just one completely non-controversial thing, almost benign, really. Who doesn't love food? Oh, yes. But when you peel it, I mean, go deeper and deeper. Food has such meaning to us. You know, I have a recipe that I learned from my grandmother. Let me tell you about it. You know, um, I need to understand where my letters come from. I mean, there's a fantastic story in our publication with Moloch that says, follow Fred the letters from soil to salad. You know, and so you see this absolutely fantastic narrative of what, where does your letters come from when you take buy it from a, a retailer such as Spa. Mm-hmm. Also being able to find the underside of Cape Town which brings back to that uh, story. How do you then bring back Cape Townians into the central city, not into long street and pockets, but to be able to understand where to go to get the kind of food that really makes them feel welcome is to be able to have the communication to do so. So in the next three years, really, Cape Town Partnership is wanting to do just one thing. If we can keep you at, at, at work, sorry, keep you from jumping from work at half past four into your car. Oh, and home. that traffic, instead of sitting in that traffic. There you so go. Long. Let's just keep you for two to three hours in town in the next three years and entertain you so that you don't have to spend a lot of money to get that entertainment. And then you, you are then able to phone home and say to your wife and to your partner, whoever else, come join me for dinner. So in South Africa, we don't, or in Cape Town, I mean, I suppose Jopik is different. We don't have this culture of going from work to maybe a pub or to wherever else where we sit and chill and before we go home, we jump into our cars and then we clog and wait, you know, spend two hours waiting to get home. There's a perception that it's expensive to go into a restaurant. It's expen- I think the experience that people had in 2010 with the World Cup. Yes. Um, the city was beautiful just working, and I think all cities around the country were working and beautiful even though the prices were up. But people soon ran back into their shells, you know, yes. because they think, oops, I can't do that all the time, especially for 2010. Yes. So it can happen. You need that ingredient to, to bring people back. Hence the full thing for Molo, because every single profiled retailer or restaurant in there is the affordable one. There's no the one Michelle Obama went to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's no longer affordable. No, it's no longer <laughs> It's no longer for But you need to know that if you go to Langa, this is where you get a Maguinya. Mm-hmm. is like 10 rents or something. I can't, mm-hmm. can't really remember what the price is. You need to understand that there, is, there are areas around the Cape Town Station where you can buy affordable food. There's food trucks that sell affordable food. So we need to have, in other words, you need to have a menu of restaurants that you can choose from, depending on your level of affordability. Mm-hmm. But it's not just food, though. It's what else do you do? Now we have, for example, on Thursday, uh, first Thursday of the month, where the gallery is open, which means there's life, and they're open until late. They've been doing it now for about six months, and it's working fantastically. We then have the moonlight uh, mass, which is, uh, you know, cycling uh, when there's a full moon. Mm-hmm. It starts from Green Point. It ends in Green, in, 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 in Green Market Square, and then, therefore, there's life. You see, people want to go where there's people. Mm-hmm. And so the more people you invite them back, etc., and have a menu experiences that they allows them to mix with each other, the better it is. Of course, the prize is to have people living affordable in town. The other challenge you will have, and I'm not too sure how you would resolve that, is the issue of transport yeah. and public transport. 
in and out of the city. Because yeah. even when people want to stay, and staying means if you're going out for dinner, you're having a drink or two, mm-hmm. you actually don't want to be driving. I know. That's so thing, yeah. public transport becomes an issue. It is a major, major, and we're lucky because my city is really starting to, you know, gain momentum in terms of its rollout. I think they will have the inner, inner route um, system work uh, up and running, I think, by the end of this year. So the buses are already in here. They just need to tie in those contracts and stuff like that to make it work. That becomes very important. There's also a culture, okay, it's not very cheap, but there's a culture in Cape Town of people now subscribing to, um, the, you know, the... Good fellows and mm-hmm. sort of things. So mm-hmm. that's another way of doing it. Um, of course, it would be fantastic if Metroloy could provide safe and longer um, uh, tra- uh, times for transport. So we have a safe train that doesn't close quite, quite uh, early, so that we can have trains running, let's say, for until 12 midnight. So we're hoping that that would eventually happen. But, you know, also, uh, I think banks are doing it as well. You know, they, they, you can call your bank and say, listen, I'm sitting in this restaurant. Yeah. There's a service. And, and <laughs> That's they, fantastic. No, and they, 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 you say, you know, here I am. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm one of your clients. Yes. And I've had a bit to drink. And, you know, um, can you t- people must investigate with their different banks because yes. I know that my bank offers it. There you go. You know, uh, <laughs> I haven't, <laughs> used, it, I haven't <laughs> used it yet, but, you know, it, it does. Yeah. So I think those kinds of partnerships and, 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 and the business owners uh, should take responsibility, really, and yes. offer such service. Or if you go as a group, at least have a dedicated driver. Mm-hmm. And if you're a group of five, one doesn't drink and the four drinks, at least you know, you know. So it just takes a little bit of planning at this stage, but eventually it should become quite a natural thing to say, I'm not, I'm going to park my car, I'll take a bus home and take a bus back to my car the following day and drive home. Now, keeping the city clean, I'm talking about, you know, just clean so that litter, litter litter-free and what, are are we winning that war? Are we... In the this, in this city centre, that war has been won. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it's been won because our hard-working partner, the City Improvement District, makes sure that that war is won. Mm-hmm. And that means paying extreme attention to detail. So the area has got, each area has got precinct managers who just patrol it day up and down during the day. They can see when there's been dumping from restaurants, for example, or if there's... So there is, there's a top-up service, that top-up levy. So the municipality will come in and do their, provide their services as per normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the seed will then top it up and pick up and, and make sure that there's more rubbish pickups that happen. See the CCID. CCID, yes. Okay. So, uh, so that's the beauty of having an, city impro- uh, an improvement district because the improvement district um, ensures that the gap between what is provided by the city and what is needed by the area is, 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 uh, is closed. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. So, so the, we shouldn't worry about rats or anything like that. Um. Well, there's a rat squad. Oh, oh there is. There is a rat squad. Mm. <laughs> oh, there's a lot more that I, I know in, in this very city. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very excited at, 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 at the prospect of seeing the more more and more people come into the city uh, and possibly more and more events. But how do people then um, um, engage with you on what they want to bring into the city? Because you are not actually a department of the city, mm. but are you able to be the go-between and negotiate 
for your own ideals, really, mm. uh, and, and assist different smaller groupings in, 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 in participating mm. in, in what your programs are? Oh, we try very hard. I mean, we have, um, for example, a program called Creative Cape Town, which has a close to about 15,000 people who are following it on Facebook, etc., and on the website as well. We have a mailing list just on creativity alone of about 6,000 odd people. And so we invite them to communicate. So we see it as a plat- uh, the Cape Town Partnership is a, is a platform that facilitates Dialogue, dialogue between many stakeholders. Mm-hmm. We keep telling ourselves that we play the cookie role. You know, we stand in the middle, we make partners meet, and they carry on as, as, as normal. So, ordinary Cape Townians, for example, are able to engage with us by either emailing us um, at Molo at Cape Town Partnership, for example, which is another platform, or just sending e- email addresses to any programs of the Cape Town Partnership because we are available online. But we also try to engage in other very, I mean, social media platforms, etc. Mm. Yeah. So you are accessible. We are very accessible and we try to be as much as possible. And trust me, no request doesn't it goes unanswered. One of the biggest problems we've had is never said no. <laughs> the ability to <laughs> you say must no. learn to say no. It is such a struggle. <laughs> you know, it's always like, okay, yeah, no, but you know. You know sort of it doesn't really fall under my... Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, we can make it work. Let's try and do this. So, as, because we're not a big organization, we're a very small organization because the resources are very tight. Um, what target have you set yourself? For uh, firstly, what's your ideal city? Oh, it's an African city that is really able to provide a kind of experience that is primarily for Africans, but also is very enjoyed uh, by others who come in and visit it. So when we talk about livability in a city, livable streets, livable cities, you should be able to translate that into an African. Um, uh, a, 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 um, definition of what that means. Mm. So, if, for example, you can take a, a, a liberal streets in Switzerland and think that, that that kind of ideal is what we want to see here. We need to have that agency of being an African city. At the same time, we have to be a functioning African city. That is yet where you are able to feel safe, you are able to bring your kids, you are able to find a chance to be able to live affordable, especially if you are earning a decent salary, you are able to find an apartment that you can rent in town. Well, I was going to go there because, you know, certain, only a few people can afford to live this in the is, city centre. This is, this is a challenge. This is a challenge. So, whether it's what we call social housing, affordable housing, it's been a struggle for the Cape Town Partnership to be able to turn the tide because when we were starting and there were a lot of apartments that were converted into uh, um, there were offices that were converted into apartments um, it just became an expensive space and of course people were investing money and they, they, were, they were not living in town mm. they were buying it as, a, as an investment uh, strategy but what we're seeing now is a turning of that tide people are starting to buy and live in town but what we do need we need to have young people's uh, kind of um, uh, housing uh, available in terms of that young professionals are able to live closer to places of work that we can have people who actually I mean, people work in the civic centre work for government who actually earn very decent salaries are still driving long term. Well, it, so, it would also alleviate the, the transport issue if would. people, more people who, if people worked at the waterfront, for instance, yes. and didn't have to go far I know. Uh, to, I know. To, 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 to get to work and back. And the city then would be vibrant, we'd be able to open for longer hours and, and just create a hub of, of a, a working city. Uh, yeah, I mean, for example, if you're a waitress in town, you should be able to rent a room here. Hmm. and be able to stay here during the time that you are actually at your job and then you go home uh, if you need to because to be able to leave your job at 12 midnight and still have to struggle so a lot of 
um, uh, uh, you know, shops and retailers who, who operate those in those hours, then they are forced to bring to be able to provide transportation mm-hmm. home for their workers. Mm-hmm. Why can't they have access to rentals in town that are quite affordable for them? Do you have a deadline for anything that we can hold you up? On, yes. You know, <laughs> when we started in 2008, we set up a strategy which we call the Central City Development Strategy, and we just look at the 10-year horizon. Okay. okay. We are now halfway through because now this is the fifth year. Okay. So every time we set up, what are the big ideas? You know, infrastructure is a big thing for us at the time. Thank God for, for the FIFA World Cup because we then achieved those targets right up front. You know, calming of streets, being able to provide pedestrian bridges, so that the kids that come from, from uh, you know, other areas of Cape Town to Cape Flats who actually go to school here are able to tr- cross quite safely. Mm-hmm. And also being able to then have a kind of the development of retailers in the street. So if you look at this, what can we used to be, you know, chock a block with bikes. Um, and it was completely an unsavory street. Right now, it's, there's all restaurants that have opened up. It becomes a thoroughfare. And it's very nice. It's fantastic, yeah. Very nice. So, yeah. It's on the it's on the on, on the walk, eh? Yeah, on the walk. Mm. And Bree Street, which is I mean, there's a, a, a Bree Street revolution, which is fantastic. Yeah. And also, I mean, we've now started to see that people used to come to this down, downtown area, and they will then stick in areas that they are comfortable with. You can come from, you know, wherever you go to Golden Acre, that's where you stick, et cetera, et cetera. But now we see people just transversing. Seamless. Exactly. Seamless. Yeah. Well, I hope you get more of us back into the city, especially oh, after wait. hours. <laughs> and we'll, we'll hold you to it. 2018 is when you say your, yeah, your, plan, your plan is... is so if when you were, you were able to say, I've just come from work, I'm not going to tell, I haven't gone home directly in a month because I always go via, via, via. No, I want to be then living in the city. There you go. I want <laughs> to be living in the city. That's me in 2018. (laughs) Munela, thank you so much for joining us. And and congratulations on on the good work that you do. And we'll we'll hold you up to it. Fantastic. Thank you for the opportunity. I've enjoyed it enormously. How do we get hold of you? Um, Mulelwa at captainpartnership.co.za. And and the magazine Molo Molo at CapeTownPartnership.co.za Molo M O L O for yes. those who can't spell at CapeTownPartnership.co.za Fantastic. Thank you so much, Willela, CEO of Cape Town Partnership. Now it's time for a children's story. It's called Jingle Jingle. <laughs> 